subtle skills, big results. Welcome to the Ninja Selling Podcast. Welcome back to the Ninja Selling Podcast. Matt and Garrett are back with you again. We are excited today. We're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to analyze Matt to death, which is what is going to be so much fun. <laughs> uh, before we get started, picking Matt apart and his processes of him being a home uh, a seller and an agent. Everybody who's listening right now, if you want to learn more about what we're up to, go to ninjaselling.com. If you want to learn more about the coaching program, go to Ninja Coaching. Uh, you can find that under ninjaselling.com. And uh, you can learn all about what we do every day, how we help people all over the world. We coach people in many different countries around the United States. So we are not just in your backyard. We are global. And with that being said, Matt, let's jump right in because uh, we are going to pick you apart. We're going to figure out what makes Matt, Matt. Well, not that. We're not going to go that deep, but wait, wait a minute. I thought <laughs> I thought we were doing a case study here. I didn't know that. We, we, are, were, we, we are. We going are. In. I just got, I got excited for a second. <laughs> we knew we were going that deep. So Matt, what was your, what's your first memory? Well, it all started on a, um, on a Tuesday morning, 1985. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> too, too far, too far, too far. So what we're going to do today is Matt recently went through the process of selling a house. Not only selling a house, selling his first primary home. He's never sold one of his own personal residence before. So this was an opportunity that he got to go through for the first time. And as Matt was saying, as we were kind of talking about this and getting ready for it, it's funny when you are not only a home seller, but you're also a coach and an expert in this field and these internal voices that start to kind of come in at different times, making sure you're doing everything at, with all the tools and other stuff that you know. So Matt, I'm excited to go down through this because this is a recent move for you. When, when did you just make, when did the sale happen? Yeah. So this um, in January. So all of this closed in January and has been in the works for... Oh man, since um, really middle of, of 22. For those of you who may have heard, I think I mentioned a couple of times throughout our podcast episodes that we were looking for a new home. And the saga of finding the new home was a long one because the house that we were under contract with, it was a new build and it never happened. It was just this community was taking for And now they're actually building the houses over in that community starting to go pretty quickly. But we were waiting for over a year. And it was like nothing was happening. And so we decided to switch over to a different community, go through a different build process instead of a custom process, it's a spec process. And so it was a lot faster, which then sped up the timeline for us selling our house too, because there was also all the questions of like, well, are we going to sell first and then close? Do we need to Fortunately for us, we didn't have to do that. So we were kind of setting ourselves up for this like expectation of, all right, well, we'll we'll get it, we'll get the new house and then we'll close on our listing. Cause we went back and forth. And I know we'll come back to the beginning of the story in a minute, but it was back and forth. We both work from home, my wife and I. And so it's like, do we want to list the house with two kids, two dogs, two people working from home? Or do we just want to move out and stage the house and leave it like that? The, the answer is no. Right. You do not want to do that with all those moving parts in a house. Get out. You don't. But we did. We did <laughs> end up doing it, perhaps against better judgment, but we followed a process. And so we were able to make it, make it work. And there's a happy ending, but 
I believe, because we followed the ninja process. Now, I will say too, like this was my first time listing a house for myself. And it was the first time actually playing the role of real estate agent in many years on the side of a listing. So for those of you who don't know the history here, I became a coach with Garrett when I moved to Charleston. And prior to that, I was managing a residential real estate office in New Jersey. I was an agent up there for many years. And so once we moved, like I stopped actively being involved in real estate activities aside from referring people. What year is that? That was 2018, January 2018. Yeah. So I hadn't listed a house myself since probably because when I was managing, it was all non-selling manager stuff. I mean, it's been a while. So it was fun to jump right back in. <laughs> well, it, it, this has been a process. And as you were saying, like, it was kind of that, like, wait, 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 wait. We talk, we had many conversations about it. If you guys, nobody knows, Matt and I talk a lot when we're not recording. We kept hearing Matt going, like, they haven't started building yet. They haven't started building yet. They haven't started building yet. They keep telling me we're going to break ground and we're going to start building and they haven't started building yet. And it went to this, like, who knows when this is going to happen to all of a sudden full tilt. We switched to a different house. This thing's under construction. We're rolling. We could pick out all those. You know, it, it was just like a level 10 all of a sudden. So what we want to talk about with all of you today, though, was the process that Matt went through of getting this home ready in a marketplace that had already shifted. You know, you think about this was December when that put this home on the market. We're talking about October when he started going, oh, we need to get this thing sold. Like, we got to get this rolling. That was right when the marketplace was kind of getting into a really funky place. And everyone's going, what is going on? Like, how how are we going to manage this? How are we going to handle this market? And I'm like, really, Matt? This is what you decided to wait to do this right now? You could have done this six months ago? Yeah. You were probably thinking the same thing, going, oh, I yeah. wish that home would have kicked off when I wanted it to. Well, and originally the home we now live in, when we signed the contract, they're like, oh yeah, you know, end of October, right? And I was like, okay, that really means end of November. No, that really means middle of January. <laughs> so I'm watching this market go and I'm like, well, I, I don't want to list the house too early because I, I don't want to make two moves, right? That's what's going on in my head. And all of a sudden I'm seeing, you know, we have these great sales that get posted in July in Charleston and then <laughs> August and September and October happen. And all of a sudden in October and November, these homes are sitting on the market a little bit. Now, I had my opinion on what was going on with these things, overpriced and all these things, but homes that are now exiting the market without selling. And I'm like, oh gosh. And now I'm going to list a house right before Christmas. <laughs> I remember you, we were on a call and you're like, oh my gosh, this house in my neighborhood just won on and it went on for this awesome price. And man, if that thing sells, like that's a comp that we- I was like, if that sells, I'm like, I'm I'm laughing all the way to the bank. And it did not. <laughs> and every week, every week it would just sit there. You're like, dude, it hasn't sold yet. Oh, now they just reduced oh, it. And they did the oscillating. Oh, now they really reduced it. They reduced it. They raised it. They reduced it. They raised it. And it was just like, what is going on? Oh. This range of emotions I was watching Matt go through. I'm like, oh, poor guy. This is harsh. <laughs> this is evil. <laughs> it was It was tough. Well, so so Garrett, what, what I, I was like, all right, you know what? This is going to be fun. And we'll back up to October where I was like, you know, Let's just follow the process, right? Let me follow the process. Let's get the house prepared while the weather's great. Get 
the good photography, the good landscaping for the video and everything. Let's get all the marketing set right so that when we can go on the market, we have everything prepared. We're not taking photos with dead plants and things like that, which sometimes is a, ne- is a necessity. I get that. But since we knew what we were doing, this was how we could prepare. And actually, it made me think, if you're a homeowner and you've just done some nice landscaping upgrades and everything, probably worth having a professional photographer come out and get some exterior shots or call your real estate agent so you have some of that stuff ready to go to showcase this house in its prime for its marketing. And then as we were getting closer to when we were like, all right, we got to get this house in the market. I was like, all right, I'm just going to... I live and breathe the ninja selling process day in, day out. That's what I'm going to do. That's how I'm going to price the house. I'm I'm going to take my ownership bias out of it as best as I possibly can. And we're going to make this work. And we're going to believe that it's going to work. So that's that's kind of where we were at. I'm chuckling to myself about your photos you're talking, Matt, where you're like, you know, if you even have the remote inclination that you're going to sell, have photos done. And I had this feeling like the family having their springtime photos with the family and they're like, everybody's cute. And they're like, hey, okay, now that we're done with those, can you just turn the camera around and just just get the house from a couple different angles just so we have those like every year you just have an updated photo file of your... It's a great idea. That is a fantastic idea. I I am in support of that if that's what you want to do. You're like... (laughs) <laughs> here's a portfolio of our house. Here's it in winter. Here's it in spring. Oh, this is a good one. This is what it looks like in the fall. Isn't it the trees, the colors on them? Like, here, it's like, it's like a family album. This is it back in 1999. Oh, it's good. Well, you know, we had some <laughs> listings where I was selling real estate. We we did a lot of high-end stuff and we did have some listings that went through seasons and we would send the photographer out to get updated shots. And so there were a handful where we had all the seasons. We'd be like, ooh, and here's the property in winter and here's the beautiful autumn fall. And like look at how good it looks with Christmas lights. Like that's these are yeah. pumpkins in the front yard. This is October. It's <laughs> October. Okay, sorry. We're going down a rabbit hole. So Let's rotate the photos out. No, I'm the, I want the whole photo album. I want like that that thing you can sit with on the couch and be like, let's look at the house. It's like a flip book. Let's go back. This is when my kids were in preschool. Okay. So you approach this home sale, Matt, like a ninja. Mm-hmm. Thank you for doing that, by the way, because it'd be really embarrassing if you're like, I'm going to go do some other program. Oh, I, I was fully aware of the pressure that was sitting on me. I was like, if I'm going to take this on myself, because part of me was like, let me just hand this off to another agent so I don't have to do it. And I was like, no, this is, I got I to gotta eat my own cooking here. <laughs> so I, I have sold lots of homes. And every single time I sell a house, there's that little voice inside of me going like, okay, you're going to do all the systems. And it better work. Like it better, <laughs> it better work. Cause if it doesn't work, like you are the worst example to have it not work. Like you got to do everything exactly right. This never let me down, by the way. Every single time I'm like, and there you go. You get the results that you want. So you went into this with all the right stuff. So let's let's kind of start at the beginning. Cause I'll, and I and and if I'm skipping steps here, Matt, I want to sure. go back to yeah. this. But like one of the things that you did, and I'm gonna say we're going to start with sitting down with your wife and going through. Yeah. Matt and I were joking earlier where he was like, there was no one of three things are going to happen today. It was more of like a, this is what's happening. One thing is going to happen. (laughs) So you sat down and had to present the marketplace to your wife to sit back and say, okay, this is what we're looking at. 
and this is where we're at and doing it in a ninja fashion. How did that go up front just to kind of help her understand what was the marketplace was looking like? Well, like a conversation with any seller, you have all of the things that can confuse a seller. Other neighbors, list prices, sold prices, what other people are saying out there. And at the time, our neighbor across the street, when we were having this conversation, their house was on the market, right? And we would also see them at church. <laughs> and my wife would talk to them like, oh, well, this is what they're doing. They need to get this out of this price. And I was like, okay, well, let's, let me show you what's going on here. Let's talk about what's going on in the market. Now, back in October and everything, when we're having the first discussion, it looks pretty good, right? Homes are selling. I mean, the days on market are starting to expand a little bit, but everything seemed pretty good. Jen was happy about that. And then we talked about, okay, what do we want to do to present? So I was showing her, here's how other homes are presented. There was a great comp in our neighborhood. Another agent that lived down the street from me had presented this house, did the full nine yards of everything, right? Great photos, video, stunning preparation, really, really high quality job. And I said, here's an example of a marketing done right. And then here's an example of one that maybe wasn't so right, another house that was in our neighborhood. And I said, look at the difference in how long they're on the market and how they sell. And that led to, okay, well, we got to get this house ready as well. My wife is also an interior designer. So this was a great asset to have, but she does hospitality, commercial stuff primarily. So bringing that into the residential space, we had we also wanted to then stage the house. And so we basically staged by purchasing <laughs> and completing some projects that we had never completed that we wanted to. But having that conversation up front with her to set the stage kind of set the, oh, there's a lot that goes into this, right? She was like, wow, I didn't realize there was so much things we had to do to get this home ready, including a pre-listing home inspection as well. So that was the first conversation, Garrett. And it went pretty well because at the time the market was you know, still pretty easy seller's market, I would say. Yeah. And it's interesting as I was looking at this from the outside, Matt, I think it's interesting. Like If I was your real estate agent and we had a really good connection and a really good friendship, it's always good for me to watch a situation like this and say, okay, Jen is somebody who is a very involved spouse. She is somebody that is not just going to sit back and just say, hey, Matt, you got this taken care of. You run with it. The same way as my wife, uh, Sarah, there's no way she would ever sit in the background and just watch the process go through. She'd be very, very, very involved. And I think it's important for everybody listening out there that a lot of times we could have a really good friendship with somebody. And I go to Matt and a lot of my conversations with Matt, and a lot of my information that I'm sharing is with Matt. And behind the scenes, there's a spouse that's going, wait, 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 wait. And when you're not involving that or you're not bringing all that that energy into the conversations as a big group, as a team, that can damage the actual working relationship and damage the process that's actually happening because you're actually creating turmoil for this person on the backside that is a very integral part of where you're going to be going. So obviously, you had to involve Jen. You're not just going, oh, yeah. like, ah, I'm doing this on my own. But at the same time, like you... Uh, that's a really good example of somebody that if, again, if I was just working with you, if I was your realtor, sometimes I can easily overlook the importance of decision makers on the backside of this. And it's really important to bring all decision makers in. But that's a good point because for me as a real estate agent and that real estate agent's coach, <laughs> I had to keep reminding myself, listen, I control the process. I get to control some of the decisions, 
but all the owners also control the decisions. So it was important to make sure that all the decisions that we were making were being made together because otherwise we were going to end up in a challenging position when we went to go put the house on the market. By the way, your decision-making side of it is an illusion. Just going to let you know that right now. Oh, well, yes, I know that. I know. But I, I like my illusions. I'm- okay. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you started off. Let's go. Okay, so you all come up with the price. You figure out where you need to be. You use focus first. Did you use focus first at this point in time, or did you start getting this house picked apart first? Because I know you had a pre-home inspection. I know you had other things done, and I don't. I want. I don't want to jump the gun on where you went to first to figure this out. Yeah. So yes, I did use focus first initially because I actually use it. I do an annual real estate review for myself, and so I already had kind of it loaded up. I just needed to pull my search out of the MLS and drop it into focus first. And so initially I was looking at it and we kind of had a range. We came up with a range and there was a high range original. And I'll throw numbers out here too, because I think that's going to be important for people. So at one point, things were looking in a certain way where Jen was like, hey, maybe we can get 700,000 for this house. Mind you, we paid 381. That's not bad. 500 for this house. (laughs) So, And I was like, Maybe that's possible based on these things. And so that was kind of going into this process. There was that possibility. Things changed a little bit when we got closer to listing. But with that range, that kind of gave us some confidence in what we were going to purchase as well, because that was important. Buying a new construction where there's this build time and you want to make sure all that stuff matches when you're transferring equity over. My biggest concern was the size of our house, because we have a smaller house for the neighborhood compared to the other homes that we're selling. We we had purchased a smaller floor plan because it was just the two of us, but we've done some things. We added landscaping, patio. We finished the garage, which was my office and podcasting space. You know, So there was a lot of things that were done. I miss the gardeners. Yeah. <laughs> Hearing the landscapers and the, the, the blowers. Yeah, I miss that. <laughs> so we talked about that, but then we went into, here's the list of the things we need to do to get the house ready. Right. Because it was clear of, okay, here's the process. So we came up with a list and we had, we actually have, uh, we used the reminders app in Apple to share a task list of all the things that we needed to do. And I told her all the things that I wanted to do from the marketing side, from a real estate agent's perspective, to make sure that the house is ready. So we had to paint, do touch ups, stage, declutter, clean up. I got a storage unit, still have that storage unit. Uh, <laughs> and we just, made the house ready. So it was like, all right, let's do that. And I was like, I want to do everything. So I want to do professional. I, Cause we, I talk about this all the time. The agents that I coach, I'm like, I got to do all these things too. Professional photography, video. I wanted to do Matterport, ended up not doing it, but want to do it. Floor plans, making sure that the marketing is right. So I had like a little individual property website. One of my good friends, Joel Diaz, who's with Remax in Pennsylvania, he put together actually for me this kind of storybook thing, which was really cool, which had the photos and descriptions and the video embedded in it and everything. So I had, we wanted to create all the marketing and I wanted to do a pre-listing inspection, which was a conversation that I had with Jen as every owner has, right? Why do we need to do that? Right. And that was her question. Well, the house is basically new. Because we want to point out all the flaws the house has. Right. She's like, well, does this mean that someone's not going to then do their own inspection? Right. That's a question we get. Yeah. The answer is, well, no, they probably still will want to do an inspection. It's like, well, what if they come up with different things? Like, that's a possibility. 
which also happened. But doing the pre-listing and they always do. That's their job is to find something like they're going to find something. I always tell people it's it never is this going to mean every once in a while they'll grab it and say, hey, this has already been done. But more often than not, they're going to and they're going to find something because the inspector feels like I got to find something. If I find nothing, I've failed them. Like I've got to find something wrong. So, yeah, keep going. Yes, exactly. And so. But with our pre-listing inspection, we were able to have the confidence that the house was all the major things were were good to go. And there were a few repairs that were noted that we took care of. And it wasn't expensive to take care of those repairs. But by doing that, I knew that, okay, going into a negotiation, like that stuff's taken care of. That stuff's now off the table and gave me the confidence, made me feel good as an owner. And, and I'd done this many, many times with other people that helped sell homes and when I helped my parents sell their house and all this stuff. So there's not like I'm going into this without any experience either, right? Yeah. So we got all that done. And I will say, I just want to highlight professional photography. And if anybody wants to look at this, I actually still have the property website up. I've kept it up because I knew we would do this episode. Go to 1918 Mossdale Drive, D-R-I-V-E, spell it out, .com. You can see the photos. You can see the description, how we prepped the house. Because I think hopefully that helps you see the level of, of what my expectations were. We don't own that house anymore. So obviously, please be respectful of you know, owners and everything. Don't be driving by the house <laughs> and all that stuff. But um, just make sure you honk every time you go by. Yeah. <laughs> but one one cool thing that was serendipitous with this is my photographer who I used in New Jersey for several of the homes, we used two photographers. And one of the photographers who I really, really liked using, he moved to Charleston. So I was able to use my trusted photographer for my own house down here that I've used for many, many, many houses up in New Jersey, which was fantastic. So he did. That's cool. So Carmen Natale did all of the photos and video of the house. So all credit goes to him with that. But that was the level. And he's an expensive photographer compared to other photographers. But it is worth it doing those things. And I'll come back around to that when we talk about how we got the contract that we did because it did make a difference ultimately. Well, you figure, and I know that we're going to circle back around to this, but the photos that a lot of people, you know, take, take a lot of time to invest in really good photos or just kind of wing it and use their, you know, their own personal phone going like, man, my phone takes great shots. I can just do it that way and save some money. That is really people's first impression of that house. You know, when they get to see it online, like this is the first time they get to see it and make a quick decision of do I want to spend any more time with this or do I want to go and do something else? And uh, it definitely makes a difference in them wanting to say, hey, let me at least hang out here and see if I want to learn more about this. So it's, it's so it's overlooked. Luckily, I feel like in today's age and where we're growing as an industry, it's becoming less and less and less okay to have anything but professional photography. At least I feel that way. Oh, I, yeah. No, I, it might just be who I'm hanging around also. It's a must-have. Yeah. And because it'll set you apart, there's still so many, even here in Charleston, which is not a... I mean, it's a market that has the price point where you can afford professional photography, no problem, right? Yep. And there's still people that don't use it. Or they use subpar photographers, which I think there's no excuse for that. I will say something too. I'm getting prepped too. So when people look at the pictures, you'd be like, holy cow, like, do you actually live like this? No, but that is our furniture. But in getting the house ready, I told Jen like, well, it needs to be like a show home, right? 
And then there'd be little things that like, I'm like, oh no, that's fine. That's not going to come through in photo and all these things. And she was like, no, you told me this house had to be perfect. And so it's going to be perfect down to like soaps that she bought for all this stuff. And I'm like, I think that's overkill. But then once the photos came out, I was like, it wasn't like that made the house look so different. When I even look at homes where I'm like, that's great photography. I'll look into the photos with a little bit of detail and go, well, but they still got that thing sitting in there. The coffee pot's still on the counter or, or whatever it is. Do those little things make a difference? That's a subjective thing. But ultimately, Jen was the one who then drove. This needs to be absolutely 100% perfect. No other crap sitting out. Like this thing, just like put all this stuff away, hide this stuff behind this wall while we're taking photos. It went to that level. It's like having a photo shoot done for yourself and having your collar flipped up. On one side. It's like, <laughs> is it still a usable photo? Can we make it all come together? Yeah, but at some point, there's going to be people looking at it going like, something's not right. Like something <laughs> feels off about this thing. And I think that's the, the, Matt, as you're saying, is when you go to that level, you take Jen's expertise and go, here, have at it. Make it perfect. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. What did I actually say? Like, maybe I should have held off on the word perfect. That stuff does make a difference. It takes away all little moments people saying like something's wrong here like everything looks perfect which makes you say i want to go see more so i think it's awesome that she went to that level <laughs> and by the way matt does live like that he just doesn't realize it because i've been to his house and it is it was set up like that because you were coming to my house <laughs> <laughs> i know but it was great and by the way i understand people like well yeah but that's a lot to do and that's hard to get it all that ready two girls three and one Two dogs. Now, granted, they're older dogs. They just kind of sat there, didn't really do anything. And two people working from home. So, yeah, there is a lot going on in this house. Just to put it into perspective, Matt, talking about like selling other houses. When I sold my house in Oregon, three young kids, two dogs, both working out of the house also. And we had some rules of the house before showings. like, And we were not in an easy market. We had 34 months of inventory. We had a 4% odds of selling at that moment in time. We were in a really upside down market. So you had to do everything perfect. And we had rules like showings happening. We would Windex all the fixtures in the house. We would Windex all the bathroom windows and mirrors and stuff. And then my rule was is that we had carpet and a handful of upstairs there needed to be zero footprints on the carpet. It had to have that perfect pattern of vacuuming. Oh, the vacuum just like... <laughs> and, that, and the vacuum followed you through, and then the vacuum went downstairs where we had hardwood floors. Every single room that they would go in, they were the first footsteps to actually touch the carpet. Like Everything was done at that level, and it was hard. Like yeah. It was really difficult when you have all those moving parts, but it makes a difference, those little things. It does. It makes a huge difference. So let's move into getting the house because I'm sure what everybody really wants to hear about, like, well, how did, how did you price it and how did that work and what was going on with the market? Because that's really, that's the meat of this, right? So let's go into pricing here for a second because I want to then get into like what, what happened when you actually hit the market and what did you have to do here? Because that, that was a, a big piece of this. So obviously in pricing, what was your kind of your strategy you had around finding a price that was going to work? Because you had your neighbor throwing down this house that's like, raise the price, lower the price, raise the price a little bit, lower the price, which was confusing. You had your neighbor across the street. What did you use to say, okay, this is where we need to start? Yeah. So we started with a full focus first workup, right? And looking at, I'm actually looking at some of the charts now. So the odds of selling 
we're seventy one percent trailing twelve months, which is which is not bad. It's actually that's very good, and it's deceiving because the odds of selling for twenty twenty one when you go back says in here sixty seven percent. But that was because there was a bunch of homes that came on at the end of the market that were coming over. The big difference is in 2021, one home in our neighborhood did not sell. In the trailing 12 months, we're looking at six homes that are not selling, right? So we go from 2021, where basically there's only one house that somebody outrageously overpriced and didn't sell, to now we have six that did not sell. And there's one currently active and one under contract. The one that's under contract is a smaller house, but it is this is the one where these people dropped the price. They were at they were over seven at one point, then they dropped to like six eighty, and then they're just like, let's just six forty. And everybody in the neighborhood was like, what's going on? And but they went under contract like that, right? Yep. And so by this point, the neighbor across the street had now come off the market. I believe. Quitters. I'm looking at this chart. I think they were off the market. I don't think one of these houses are there. So yeah, I think it's this one here that was, um, is, but it's a much bigger house. So they're, the neighbor across the street is 400 square feet bigger than our house. Their lot size is significantly smaller, which plays into this, right? And so I'm looking at this trend line, which doesn't really go all the way to where our square footage is. And I'll post these in the Facebook group, by the way. And I'll also use the chart that I used with the appraiser, which was a little bit different. So I'm looking at this and I'm looking at the trend line and I said, and I'm having this conversation with Jen. I say, so based on this information, where do you feel that we should price our home? And she's like, well, looking at this, are you saying that our house is really kind of worth like 650? And I was like, yeah, I would be comfortable there. Like that looks exactly right where the line is. She's like, yeah, but we have the finished garage that nobody else has. We have this green space on all the other sides. She's like, that's got to be worth a lot of money. I was like, well, how much money is it worth? Let's look. Let's look at the other properties that have had green space around them. And they happen to be all the properties that have sold that are above the trend line. All the properties below the trend line happen to not have that green space next to them. Interesting. Well, how much is that really then worth with the what we did with the garage and everything? Who knows, right? Hard to, hard to tell specifically, I said, but the one thing is for sure is we do have a smaller house. And that weighs a lot because there's a lot of other homes. The other floor plans are 2,800 and we're 2,300. That's a big difference in square footage. Well, and in, in, in playing into this also, Matt, here you have, again, this shifting marketplace. So you hear you have, you're looking at, okay, do we need to get ahead of a marketplace that's starting to decline? Right. Because otherwise you just chase this market all the way down. Do we come on and try to hit this as best we can to get it under contract and get it sold quickly. And the worst thing you can do, and this is a great conversation to be having, is push that price and come on a little high when the marketplace is changing. Because it's like, yeah, you can easily sit there and say, but, but, but we have this and we have that and we have this going on. And it's like, yeah, but if we miss it, like if we come on and we miss that, we could easily be one of these homes that sits and goes away. Yeah. Just like the neighbor. Could easily be. Yeah. Now, being a, this is where the real estate coach gets to come in a little bit because talking to people across the country, right? Everybody experiencing this, this slowdown that's happening because we're having this conversation basically a week after Thanksgiving, right? So we're, we're just about to roll into December. We're having the pricing discussion and things are sitting on the market. And then I look at the buying pattern as well. I say, well, if you look at the buying pattern, all the homes close in the first, really first two quarters of the year. Hmm. That's interesting. So the market's slowing and we released a podcast 
that's while I'm going through this talking about patience. It is time to be patient. And everyone's saying, oh, you should just wait until January to list the house. Just wait until January. And we thought about that. And Jen said, but you know what? It would be really great if we could sell the house and just move to the new house and not have to worry about carrying to and dealing with that. Let's just, let's go for it. Let's clean the house up. Because remember, we already did pictures and everything. We've been sitting on these pictures now for like six weeks. So let's just clean the house up. Work is a little bit slower for me right now. Like, let's figure out how to handle the showings. We'll do like the blast, you know, we'll get the kids out for the weekend and we'll do the open house and, you know, we're going to make it happen. So she's like, I don't like 650. <laughs> I remember this. <laughs> she's like, I don't like 650. I'm like, but if we price it fair market value, you know, that's our best opportunity, particularly now where there's no competition because that one house that was active eventually left the market. That was the one that was going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. They left the market a week later and leaving no homes on the market in our neighborhood. I'm like, we could be the only house. Like, We priced it for market. We're going to get the showings. It's going to be amazing. We're going to have the activity. It's, it's like, we're going to get a contract, right? It's like, well, I don't like 650. I said, okay, well, what do you like? She's like, I like it's like, well, I don't like 660. I don't like sixes. She's like, what about this, that? And I was like, well, if we're going to do that, might as well just go, if we're going to go above 650, we're not going to hit another bridge price point until 675. So why don't we just go at 670? It's like, I'm, I don't feel good about going at 675. Let's just do 670. And we agreed on this. Okay, great. That gives us room. If we do need to reduce, we can come down to 650 and hit a new bridge and it'll be good, Right. So that's what we did. We decided, okay, we're going to go on the market at 670 and we're going to make it happen. So you hit the markets. Okay. So you, you do all your stuff. You got all the, you analyzed all the numbers, pre-inspected stage, professional videos, professional photography. You got, you got floor plans made up. You've got everything you need to say, look, look at this incredible home. What was your first week like? So we go on the market on a Wednesday, which um, Wednesday night loaded up into the MLS, which is kind of how I like to do. And like, all right. My, my, and I was thinking, are we going to try to do a broker open and get some people in here to do price? And like, no, let's just go for it. We go on the market. The showings are going to happen and it's going to be great. So go in the market and we immediately get a showing, right? Which is great. Virtual showing. Like, Okay, guys gonna come in. There are a lot of people move from out of state down to Charleston. So it does virtual. She got the house already. It's like our first showing. I'm like, Jen, you gotta leave the house. She's like, okay, fine, I gotta leave the house. I gotta work. And I'm like, all right, just leave the house, come back. Showing goes well. And we get another showing on Saturday. And that showing happens. Then we have our open house on Sunday. Now I'd asked another agent to come sit the open house with me because one, I'm not an active agent, and two, I don't want any potential buyers that come out of this. I don't, I don't I'm not looking to get back involved in that. It's like, this would be great. I'll have somebody in there. Also, I'm the owner. Like, that's weird for some people. And it says it on the listing. Listing agent is owner, right? So everybody knows. So I pull this agent in, set up the open house. Jen like takes the girls out of the house for like three hours and everything. And nobody shows up. Literally nobody. I could say, did you have a deck of cards or something? Did you have something to like, did you guys sit there and play blackjack? We had great conversation. (laughs) (laughs) We had some great time together, but literally nothing. Actually, one person came through. It was a lender. Oh, good. (laughs) That's awesome. But that was it. It was nothing. And Jen is like, oh, whatever. What do we do? 
Okay, so talk about a reality check. Yeah. I mean, seriously, talk about a reality check of like, it's like, well, we could try this, we could do that, we could do that. And the minute that kind of stuff happens, it goes from a not of like, oh, I hope we get this to like, I hope we get anything. Like if nobody shows up and goes through for an open house, that is one of those moments of uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, come to Jesus moment, like, oh, what are we up against here? How did Jen do with that when that here we've done all this work, all these things, all this time, all this energy, and all of a sudden we got nothing? Yeah. So we go on the market on, um, so it was December 7th, we went on the market, which was a Wednesday. We have that open house on the 11th and there's nothing, right? So now we have one more weekend before Christmas. And we're like, oh gosh, like, this was supposed to be the boost of activity that was going to drive us and get a contract before Christmas. Like, it would be great. Like, everything would be awesome, right? And then there's just nothing. Like, no one shows up at the open house. Nothing Monday, nothing Tuesday. I'm like, patience, patience. Like, the market is slowing down. Typically happens this time of year. I didn't really want to go on before Christmas because I had a feeling something like this would happen. And that's another um, lesson is be careful what you're thinking about and what you think is going to happen because it what you think about, you'll bring about. Nothing happens. We get a couple of showings that next weekend, but no one's coming back with offers, right? And I'm like, all right, now now it's middle of the next week. And I'm like, all right, Christmas coming is coming up. Like nothing's going to happen. We're going to be dead for the next few days. So let's just... So we just don't think about it for a few days, right? But in the back of my head, we, have custom, we tell people have customer service calls every single week, right? So I'm like, great. I have customer service calls with myself every single second of the dang day, right? (laughs) Every single second of the day. And I'm having a coaching call with myself every single second of the day. Like, what do I do? Should I do, should I move the price? You know, because that's the only lever I have right now. We we can't change the condition. We can't change the features and amenities. We can't change the size. The only lever I have is price. But here's the thing, you as a realtor and as a coach, you just know better questions to ask yourself as you're going through this, trying to figure out and diagnose the situation. Every homeowner that's sitting there and we always go like, God, they just won't stop calling me. Like they won't stop, like they won't leave me alone. They keep asking me the same things over and over again. They're doing the same thing you're doing, Matt. They're sitting there. And this is why I say the the best thing you could ever do as a real estate agent is sell and buy a property. Because that little voice, you get to learn exactly what somebody else is going through on the backside. And you get a whole different idea of how to take care of somebody and how to help them through this process. So I love that you went through this. I love that you were doing customer service calls with yourself and coaching yourself every second of the day, because it's what everybody goes through that's selling a house. Well, and the big reason why we wanted to get the house under contract before Christmas is we had family come stay with us for Christmas too. So we have more people in the house and all this stuff, but nothing happens during that time frame. So then my mom says something and Jen's like, I bet your mom's right. It's like, you're going to sell this before the new year, between the week of Christmas and new year. And I'm like, you know, that is a time when people are visiting Charleston. They have extra time. They could look at homes and nothing. (laughs) No activity. Thank you for the prediction. (laughs) I think maybe we had one showing that week. But then we're coming up on New Year's Eve weekend, right? And now this is an interesting year too, this past year, because you have these two weekends, which is typically busy for real estate, right? Weekends are great, where there's holidays on the weekend, which basically can either accelerate activity or most likely kill all activity. So we get a showing New Year's Eve. Okay. 
showing comes in. It's like the ideal buyer for our house. They love it. They want to move fast. They just have to get out of another contract and we'll get you an offer by next week. Like, yes, it's happening. I just had to be patient. Like, what's that offer going to be, right? So then we're sitting for a couple of days and more showings are starting to get scheduled now for that first week of the year. Like, okay, yep, yeah, here it comes. This is happening. This is exactly what we talked about. We, we had predicted that this might happen. So people are starting to schedule showings. These people come in with a what I would consider a strong offer at the beginning. Jen was like, I don't, I don't really like that offer because it came in at six fifty, which was right on. I was like, there it is. But then they wanted eighteen thousand in closing costs. No, it's not six fifty. They wanted a two one buy down, which I totally get because interest rates are like seven percent. And so I said, okay, well that's a pretty good offer. Oh, and they wanted a two week close which was all of a sudden this thought in our head of we're going to carry this property through February. So we're going to have two properties, you know, because it takes a while to close. And I was like, this is incredible terms. So presented it to Jen, we sat down and she said, I love the terms, but I, I think we, we need more money. <laughs> I said, okay, what do we want to do? Um, so we ended up countering with 670 and we'll give them 20K in closing costs because our goal or in the back of my head, my goal was if we can have a net 650 sale price, this is a major success. And so Jen agreed a little bit reluctantly. She probably would have liked a little more. I would have liked a little more too. Everybody would. Hindsight's 2020. Everybody would like a little more. So great. The, and they accepted it. We countered that. They said, good to go. And boom, we're all off and running on a... Uh, it wasn't 14 days. It was like an 18-day close timeline, uh, which would close us on that. They'd give us a lease. We, we negotiated a lease back so that we could stay in our house to move out to the next house. And that's how we got our contract, Garrett. So it's interesting. You mentioned patience a couple of times. And I think what's you every situation is a little bit unique when you're helping somebody through this process. And uh, I always joke because everything can be fixed by price. You know, if, if you wanted to, you could have lowered the price down. You could have chased it through the holidays and you, you probably could have found somebody that would have been like, maybe we'll do it for that. I mean, maybe. But I, I have usually found that like, depending on the need of the client, if the client needs to go, they have an urgency like I have got to get I we can't we don't have the timeline of another week. Like, well that is your fallback position, but if you have the time and you understand the marketplace and you understand what's going on, the holidays is not a great time to to be chasing a price to be going like let's see if we can lower this and get some activity around it because a lot of times the marketplace is just not even thinking about buying homes. They're thinking about fruitcake. Right. Well, maybe not because nobody thinks about fruitcake. But <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, I mean, their their minds are in a different place. So, the best thing you could do is ride it out through that time frame and not make any drastic changes, not make any you know knee jerk decisions, and and see where that went. And uh, and that was our plan. Our plan was to then reduce the price after the first week. After we got through that first weekend in January, if there was no activity, we were going to drop the price because I like if I move the price between Christmas and New Year or before Christmas, it's going to be a price reduction that nobody pays attention to. Yep. And then come the new year, everybody's just looking at a new price, thinking that that's the price of the house, which obviously it would be at that point. But I didn't want to take that because remember, price is a marketing tool. It is a marketing tool. It is not a, this is what we're going to get paid for our house. And so I didn't want to make that adjustment. We talked about it. We agreed on that. And it worked out for us because now we were able to negotiate from a higher price point versus that lower price point. 
Uh, I know, Matt, you kind of hesitated when I said, you know, you can always reduce the price to a point that somebody will buy it. And you kind of went like, eh. well, you you could. It depends. Like if we dropped it to 600, I'm sure we probably would have picked up a contract in 24 hours. You know, you know who'd buy it in 24 hours? Another realtor. Yeah. I mean, that's it's seriously what will happen. Like you, you bring it to a certain point, all of a sudden the realtor goes like, I could literally buy that and probably turn it and make money on it. Yeah. Like that, that's now an investment is what it is. It's different than a, a purchase for a primary residence. So there's always these, these levels. And when you're pricing a property, if you price it down to wholesale, guess what? You pick up wholesale purchasers. Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. But for, but you know, for your decision, Matt, writing it out, being patient, I love this journey that you had to go on. And I appreciate this. I, there might be some more stuff you want to share here, but I think for the big picture of what you just went down through this process is that you got to see all of both sides of what's going on from the realtor talking with Jen being the homeowner, you being the homeowner also, but having to balance in between that, being able to see how the marketplace responded to a property, even with you doing all the right stuff and have it being perfect in a shifting marketplace. There's so much learning that happens through these, these uh, every single time somebody sells a house. And uh, man, I love that you got the chance to share this with everybody because uh, even with doing all the right stuff, everything right, to have it go on and kind of bounce along for a little bit and then your open house. Yeah. That's just beautiful. And I'll 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 note this too. While I think I forget when this property closed, but the one that was under contract at like your 640-ish or whatever closed at 590 while we were listed. Mm. <laughs> and so it was just like there was this gut punch of like, oh, that's not great. And so then but we got this contract, and then the next thing was is well, we need this appraisal must come in at six seventy or higher because we're giving a ton in closing costs. These people were not putting a lot of money down, and you just had this comp show up, and we just had this five ninety, right? And I was like, <laughs> oh gosh, and it's closer in square footage to our house than the other house. That one was twenty one hundred, ours is twenty three hundred. The other comps are like twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine hundred. I'm like, oh gosh. Right. So this could be that could easily kill an appraisal. And it's the most recent sold. <laughs> yeah. So I put together a new scattergram on January 8th for the appraiser. And it put us above the line, but and it still puts us right at that 650 market value line. And I looked at all the comps again, and all the top ones had green space and all the bottom ones did not. And I shared that with the appraiser, talked to him about our land and our space and all this stuff. I said, I know we have a smaller house, but here's the upgrades we did and all these things. And actually the quality of the of what we did, the trim work and all the stuff in the house made a difference. The appraiser said that made a difference. The buyer who bought the house said that that's why they wanted the house, all these things that we did on the interior. So major kudos to my wife for adding all this stuff and thinking about the things we wanted to put in there. And the appraisal came in at 670, our property being above the line. Very few people go to bat for the appraisal of that property. They just kind of sit back and go like, I hope we appraise. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. Let's, let's just, hopefully those numbers come back and they work for us. And Matt, I think it's a major underlooked, uh, or sorry, overlooked piece is putting together a packet of information for the appraiser. And I know there's agents out there listening around and they're like, oh, but they won't listen to it. They, they have to be unbiased. They can't. 
No, no, no. You're putting together a packet of facts, and there are appraisers that will look at them out there. Uh, we watch it happen yeah. all day long. And he said, you're making my job easy. I didn't even give him a packet. I just gave him the scattergram. That was it. That's what he took, was just the scattergram. Wow, there you go. I mean, on there, I wrote all the MLS numbers and all that stuff, so he could go look at the photos and everything. But that was it. We had a, co- a quick conversation. I handed him that, and that was it. He was in the house not that long. Because appraisers miss stuff. They do. I mean, they're human also, and they they may overlook something. They may not look at a certain house because it just didn't show up in the way that they put it in the search, and we get all upset with them. But if, yeah, Matt, as you just said, they made you made his job easy, and that's awesome. Yeah. So we closed, had our week, closed on Friday, closed on our new build on, on Monday. Everything worked absolutely perfectly. It was like kind of like a pinch me moment like that. Those couple of days of like, everything worked exactly as we wanted it to. Everything worked so perfectly. Very thankful for the Ninja process and getting us the clarity so that we can negotiate from a position of strength. And we just, and we love the new buyers too, who came through. They're wonderful people. We're actually going to be hanging out with them in a couple of weeks. And so everything turned out so, so great. And I'm so grateful for that process. And, but I did want to share this Garrett, because there was a lot that went into making sure we chose the right price. Cause that those properties that we talked about that exited the market, they're back on the market now. Wow. And they're still sitting on the market. That property across the street came back on at the same price they left and they're still sitting there. They reduced $100 and it's tough. I get it. So so with wrapping this up, anybody who goes online, looks at the property, if you do happen to drive by, just give a double tap on the horn. <laughs> that would really be awesome. <laughs> hey, Matt told us to come by. <laughs> No, I didn't. No, I didn't. So, but yeah, I mean, I'm, and I'm sure y'all might have some questions. So drop them in the Facebook community, go to facebook.com, search for the Ninja Selling Podcast, find our community, hop in there. I'll share these charts and everything in there when this episode goes live. And and if you have questions, just drop them in, in a thread there or reach out to me. Happy to talk you through how this worked. I mean, this is what Garrett, we do with our clients all the time when they sometimes somebody will bring us a challenging situation with with a seller or with a buyer and we'll talk through, well, what are the tools you have? Let's go through this stuff and we'll do an analysis together. I've done this with another with another client um last year. She was having, you know, some anxiety going into this this neighborhood with this property and she did everything right, followed focus first and all these things, and boom, property sold. Well, other people couldn't sell their property. This is a difference maker is what I'm trying to say. Preparing the home, doing it the right way, pricing in a certain way is the difference maker that'll get your property sold because there's you could look at it on the data and say, well, how come that property sold and the property across the street isn't? And you wouldn't have an explanation until you dive into all of these things that happen. And so that's why I wanted to share it, Garrett, and I hope that it brings people some value today. No, man, I think this is great. And I appreciate you bringing this up and wanting to go through the, your process of selling house. Because again, I think that, uh, you know, again, as I've mentioned in all the homes I've ever sold, every single time I apply all the systems, it's always one of those. And like, and it always works. It always gets me the de- destination that I want. And that's why I shared the house up in Oregon is like 30, was it 34, 30, 34 months of inventory, 35 months of inventory and a 4% odds of selling. We still sold in 30 days. Like, yeah. The system always works when you apply the system and you do it right. So Matt, thank you so much. I appreciate you sharing that. Absolutely, man. Well, I appreciate you. Appreciate everybody listening in. And if you want to learn more about Ninja, if you what we talked about is a little foreign to you, head over to ninjaselling.com. You can learn more about that. You can learn more about coaching. And we will see you on the next one. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like more, 
visit us at the ninjasellingpodcast.com. There you will also find links for more information about ninja selling and coaching. Have an incredible day.